uh, bear that in mind. And tonight, as we read through this scriptures that we're going to read, I want you to keep in mind that this is in, as it relates to the plan of God for my life, for your life, for our life as believers. Romans 8, chapter 26. Chapter 8, verse 26. You can tell I'm really doing, starting off well already here. Romans 8, 26, here's what it says. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. Now, the Holy Spirit knows that you and I are weak, and He's going to help us. Now, here's how He does it. For we do not know what we should pray for as we are, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. You and I cannot know that. We can only know what the mind of the Spirit is as God reveals it to us. But God knows. The one who's searching our hearts and the Holy Spirit stands in intercession for us because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You see, you and I might be praying for one thing, and we might even be convinced it is the will of God. But God knows. God knows what His will for us is, and so the Holy Spirit's going to intercede on that basis. Now, with that thought in mind, let me say this. Many Christians have asked, and this question is as old as the church, why do Christians suffer? Because somewhere along the line, we prayed, Oh Jesus, make me more like you. And suffering is often what it takes to be more like Him. And the suffering that we are speaking of is that part of us that cannot clearly see His will for what it is. And our flesh wants to go in one direction, but the Holy Spirit begins to intercede for us so that God puts us oftentimes in positions where He can accomplish His will in us, and it it's crosswise with what we had thought. Now that's just a thought. Let's leave that there. We'll come back to it. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. This is very important. Somebody said, and rightfully so, that all Christians have a calling. Absolutely. We're going to see what that calling is in just a moment. But all things are going to work together for those who are called according to His purpose. So it's not so much that things are guaranteed to work out for me because I decide to set my hand to a thing. I decide to do something. I have no guarantee that it's all going to work out to good unless it's according to His purpose for me which He knows and I often cannot see so the Holy Spirit is interceding for me and putting me in a position where my will can break and God can perform His will through my life. That's why sometimes we go through so many valleys. That's why sometimes it seems like such a struggle. But the Holy Spirit, you see, God has oftentimes engineered your wilderness experience. Oftentimes, God has designed your time in the valley. Let's keep reading. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined, now there's the plan of God for your life, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, though these he also called. So here's the ones that are called. Are you ready for this? Now read that scripture slowly, and you will see that you are called according to His purpose only if you're willing to lay down your life, your vision, 
your goals, your desires, and allow the Holy Spirit birth something of Him in you. You are called according to His purpose if you are being conformed into the image of His Son. If you are railing and blaspheming and fighting and carrying on, then God has not obligated to bring what you want to come to pass to pass. Let's read that verse again real slow. Moreover, whom he predestined. Now, back up, and what are, what are we predestined to? To be conformed to the image of his Son. And if you are one that he has predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, and every Christian is, but are we cooperating with that? That's the next question. If that is you, then you are predestined you are the called according to his purpose. All things that happen in your life will work together for the good. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Father, help me tonight in, in the state that I'm in to articulate accurately what you have put upon my heart to give to this people. Father, it's late in the day. And I know that not only myself, but everybody's tired. It's been a hot day all across the country. But Father, help us to hear and to receive what the Holy Spirit wants to deposit within us. Lord, we, we are a needy people. We need you to touch us. We need you to help us. We can do nothing of our own that is any worth or value to your kingdom whatsoever. And we just ask that you touch us tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody would say amen and amen. I want to read to you a portion of a book that Pastor Carter Conlon wrote called Unshakable. And I'm going to read just a couple of paragraphs, one from page 72 and one from page 73, to set the backdrop for the rest of what we're going to say here tonight. And I'm not going to preach much longer uh, you know, very long tonight. I'm going to get back to some more praise and worship because I believe God wants to heal some people and touch some people here tonight, myself included. I just feel His strength when when I'm worshiping Him and when when He is the focus of my life and when my heart is laid open before Him and He can see me in my complete nakedness of personage, if you will. You know, without any walls, without any masks, without anything of pretense whatsoever, and I'm just before the Lord in the inner sanctum of my heart, worshiping Him, and I believe that healing is a comes as a result of that oftentimes. Here's what Pastor Carter said. He said, Many people who rise to prominence in Christian circles have never been through God's training and testing. They stand before others, even with good intentions, but they misrepresent God because the human spirit in them is still very much in control in their lives. In reality, they are still angry, fault-finding, intolerant, and full of other things that originate from the human heart and have nothing at all to do with God. They are not complete in their understanding of Christ because they constantly did everything in their power to circumvent God's dealings with them. That's what happens when you don't recognize that all along your trials are part of God's boot camp. It was not man who opposed you. The mercy of God allowed you to be opposed. The mercy of God brought you to the place where you are right now. It was God who allowed those voices to be raised against you. He easily could have slapped his hand over their mouths and stopped them from speaking, but he chose not to. Because he is in the process of doing a deep work within you, refining your faith causing you to trust in Him and nothing else. And in the end, you will be so glad that He did. This is Pastor Carter Conlon's book, Unshakable, Trusting God When All Else Fails. Incidentally, everyone who is a partner with our ministry will be receiving a copy of this book. So what we see in the book of Romans in the 8th chapter is we see God is calling to His people in a deep spiritual sense. And the problem we see in our nation today, and around the world, 
And it's really always been this way in the church. Everything that I've read of church history, the church has always dealt with this. And God has always raised up prophetic voices that will speak to this issue. And it's the issue of self. And the Holy Spirit is our intercessor, as we said at the beginning of the talk. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us, and God always answers His prayers. And we say, glory, hallelujah, but do you realize that sometimes the Holy Spirit is praying to put us through boot camp? He's praying to put us in another valley. Why? Because we came out of that last valley, we were still mean. We came out of that last valley, we still didn't talk to our spouse right. We came out of that last valley and we still thought that we could change the world. And listen, I understand what's being preached out there and I preach it myself that we are world changers and that we have a big dream and a big vision from God. But I want to tell you this, apart from Christ, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And there's nothing that this wicked fallen flesh can produce that will ever be pleasing to God. God is not pleased with human effort. God is not pleased with me. God is pleased with Christ Jesus. And I am in Christ Jesus. And so when He looks at my life through the blood, and He looks at my life through faith, and the faith that I have placed in His Son, I am well pleasing in His sight. But not in my flesh. And so the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Do, do you not realize that God allowed Joseph, who was every bit a type of Christ, 110 similarities between the life of Joseph and the life of Jesus Christ. 110 types. Do you not realize that He allowed His brothers to throw Him in a pit? to work on the character of this young man that would one day save an entire generation of Egyptians from perishing in a, the worst famine the world had ever known to that point? Do you not realize that the Apostle Paul, when he started out, what was Paul's chief uh, attribute in Paul's life? What was his chief uh, bragging ground? He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and Paul had pride. And let me say this. When you hear these things, don't look at, down at somebody because you may know they're dealing with this problem or that problem. Because we've all got something. And in this arena, when we're talking about the things of God, it is not three strikes and you're out. Okay? You get to swing until you hit the ball. But the secret is you've got to stay repentant before the Lord. It's not three strikes and you're out. And so when somebody that you know is doing things that isn't right and you know that they're thinking things and they're motivated in an improper way or whatever the case might be, don't look down at them because you've got your issues. I've got my issues. But the, the, the point of this text is the plan of God. Let's, let's talk a minute about how it's been misrepresented. And I don't have time to read all the scriptures. I'm going to go to one more in a little bit and show you something from it. But let's look at how this has been misrepresented. We often find ourselves looking at success the way the world does. We find ourselves even looking at ministry the way the world looks at business. Something's wrong with that. Because when, when we talk about the plan of God for your life, we talk about what does God want me to do with my life. I'll tell you what the plan is, and I'll tell you what He wants you to do. He wants you to be conformed into the image of Christ. And that is what He's concerned about. And along the way, He's going to lead and guide us into doing many things. He's going to lead us to preach many sermons, maybe. He's going to lead us to, to go into the prisons and hand out a Bible and some books, maybe. To feed people, maybe. Whatever He leads us to do, 
But the plan of God for our life is to be conformed into the image of Christ. So why do we run our business in the flesh? That's a good question. I'm going to say again what I said a couple of times during this program already. When we look at all of the anger and the hostility that's in our society today, how many knows and understands that God doesn't need a bunch of Christians adding to it? There are certain things that we have a right to be upset about and that we need to stand up against and do something about. We still need to be Christ-like in that effort. But Satan, in his subtlety and his craftiness, has taken the anger and the hostility that exists in our culture and he's, caught, he's, he's snuck it in the back door of Christians' lives. And now, we're not only angry about the senseless violence and the shootings, and we're not only angry about radical Islamic terrorism, we're angry if somebody cuts us off on the way to the grocery store. And we're Christians. And we do not know how to possess our vessels with honor. I, don't, I, I know that's rough. I'm just telling you what he's told me. And I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I am guilty. Nowadays, we're no longer angry because this is how Satan is manipulating it. Read your book. Read the prophecies. In the last days, people will be, will be irritable. They'll be fierce. They will, they'll have a lack of respect. Well, even in the church, Satan is trying to use this anger and this hostility to further divide the body of Christ along political and racial lines. And there's things that we need to stand up against, absolutely. There's things every person should have a right to enter into the dialogue. But let me ask you this. When you dialogue, do you dialogue as a person who's being conformed into the image of Christ? There was only one time that Jesus ever had anything harsh to say to anybody. And it wasn't to the militant homosexuals. It was not to people of other religions. Jesus spoke harshly to religious pharisaical hypocrites who were not going into heaven themselves and they were preventing others from going into the kingdom of God. That's who Jesus come against in a harsh manner. Now I know, I know none of us are Jesus and we're all in the flesh, right? We're all living on terra firma, we're on planet earth. We're going to have feelings, and sometimes those feelings are going to get hurt, and sometimes we're going to get mad at what at the disgrace that we see in our society today, things that I never thought I'd see as long as the day is. Uh, at the longest day I lived, I never thought I'd see this craziness taking place. I never thought I would see the day when uh, a person could go into any bathroom that they decided that they could go into that day. I think I'm a girl today. I'll go in the girls' room. I think I'm a boy. I'll, I'll go over here. It's crazy. And it is upsetting. But I want you to understand because this is what's best for you. Is for you to understand that the chief aim that God has in your life is to conform you to the image of His Son. No matter what we do, no matter what we say, at the end of the day, this book is going to come to pass. You're not going to confess away the coming of the Great Tribulation. Or the, or the mark of the beast. Or the millions that are going to die under his attempt to steal this planet and the authority of this planet from God Almighty. We cannot prophesy that away. We cannot speak it away. We can pray. And God moves in response to prayer. But the Word of God is going to come to pass. Now that does not present a hopeless picture unless you're looking at it through the modern variety of preaching that has told you that you were supposed to set the world on fire. 
If you're believing the modern message that everybody's got this great big destiny and people are completely missing the real destiny that God has for them, which is to conform them to the image of His Son. Let me say this, friend. I want you to do everything that God puts in your heart to do. I want you to do it to the best of your ability. I want you to do I want you to save to win as many souls as you can possibly reach for the whatever you have to do. If you have to give them bologna sandwiches and waters, uh, you know, I want you to do that. I, I, I want you to take care of the, the issues of your heart even more. Because at the end of the day, when this world is teetering on the edge of destruction, the only thing we're going to take away from here is the image of Christ that's been deposited within us. And when we stand before Him, He's really not going to ask us how big in the ministry we were. He's really not going to ask us how many degrees we had. He's going to ask us he already knows. He asks us because He's bringing us to the judgment seat of Christ and He's examining us. He's going to ask us why we missed the opportunity to forgive this person. Why did you miss the opportunity to turn the other cheek? Why did you miss the opportunity to visit that man in prison? Why did you fail to allow me to conform you to my image? And I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that with everything that is within me. He's not going to ask you. He's not going to ask you. You know, did you eat baked beans and hot dogs and sleep under the bridge so that you could build a Bible school? He's not going to ask you that, friend. You know what Jesus basically taught people? He taught us to share what we have. I'm going to leave that for another message. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. And I'm going to read this from two versions tonight. I'm going to read it from the New King James first, and then I'm going to read it from the original King James, and I'm going to make a point as to why. Jeremiah 29, 11, New King James first. Here's what it says. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Alright? Now before I read the King James, how many understands that we have a great future in Jesus Christ? And how many understands that no matter what happens in the circumstances of this world, we have a hope because we're going to rule and reign with Him throughout all of eternity. Jesus is the one that told us to not count our lives as dear to ourselves. Jesus told us that. He told us, He said, that perilous times would come. And He said men would be lovers of them own, their own selves. Blasphemers, boasters, proud, disobedient to parents. And that works not only in a physical home, it also works with dis uh, disobedient to church authority, to church parents. There's never been a greater time for you to get plugged into a local church than right now. There's never been a, a greater need for you to come together with others in the body of Christ than right now. Because you, you've heard the old adage, it's, I'm not going to beat it into the ground, but the first banana that leaves the bunch gets peeled. There's about to be a whole lot of peeling going on in the sifting process as Satan is infiltrating the lives even of God's people. We have the authority to keep him out, but we have to know what ground we're standing on. But there is a future and a hope found in Jesus Christ. But I want, I want to read this from the original King James Version, and I want you to see if you notice the difference. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. Let's stop there for a moment and let's say this. God is thinking powerful good thoughts about you. God is not thinking about you. Oh, you failed again. 
God is not thinking about you. Oh, you didn't do enough. God is not thinking those thoughts about you. That's the pressures that we put on ourselves. Listen. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. What? What the other say? Most of the of the new versions say um, to give you a future and a hope, to give you an expected end. And the Lord took me right back to Romans eight, and He showed me those verses that I read to you tonight. And He showed me how that you can have all things in your life working for your good. You can have a future and a hope. You can have the Holy Spirit interceding for you. Building you up in the body of Jesus. That is your expected end. And God is thinking thoughts of you. If I had time, I'd take you to the Psalms and I'd show you some of these verses. But He's thinking thoughts of you like, this is my child. I love them. How many of you know that no, when God tells you no, God, I want to do this. No. No is not rejection. No is protection. I heard Tim Delina preach that. I actually posted that message on my Connect site. It's called Bad Math. How many of you know that when God tells you no, He tells you no because He's got something better for you in His estimation. We look at it and we might not think it's better. But we don't know. And that's where that death to self comes in. That's where that bowing the knee to the Lord comes in and say, Lord, if you say this is better, then I receive this as better. And sometimes God tells us, take another trip around the mountain. Why? Because He's mad at us? No. God's thinking thoughts toward you that you are His precious jewels. God is thinking thoughts of you that you are going to be pillars in the temple of God. And those pillars, Jacob and Boaz in the Old Testament, they didn't go all the way to the top. They didn't hold up the structure of the temple. They were there for beautiful ornamentation. You are His beautiful ornamentation. And He is fashioning you and molding you and sculpting you into the person that you can be According to him. Let me read you a couple things. This is the first time I've endeavored to preach this, what God has given me. We're going to preach it more. And, and more is going to be added all the time. But let me read you just a few things that I had jotted down here. And I put them on my phone so it's. Uh, When we focus on what we can do in the kingdom, it puts the focus on us. But the Christ follower will focus on what they can become, which puts the focus on Jesus. God does have a great plan for every life. And that plan is to take ourself. And, and let's clarify this term real quick. Self, that we are a legitimate self. All self is not illegitimate, even though it's often spoken of in a negative connotation. But we are a, a legitimate self. But God wants to take that self, and He wants to take the nasty out of it. And He wants to take the carnality out of it, and conform us into the image of Christ. And it is at that point that our doing will flow naturally from the Holy Spirit. Many people talk about God's plan for their life, but they really don't mean God's plan for their life. They really mean their own plan for their life. Most people don't really want God's plan because according to Romans 8, 28 through 30, that plan is to conform us into the image of Christ. And sometimes, well, in reality, always it means a death to self. The death of the cross. Jesus told every one of us, take up your cross 
and follow me. But you have got to understand that he does not tell you this from a position of being angry with you or mad at you or telling you that you're worthless. I'm the very opposite. Oh, how contraire. You are worth the death of his son. What price did God pay for you? I've often used this as an illustration. I like good quality Bibles. It's just a thing with me, okay? I buy very little. I don't have a motorcycle. I don't have a snowmobile. No big deal. If you do, I'm not against it. Praise God. I'm just saying that I take my extra money, and I like to buy R.L. Allen Bibles. They are goatskin leather. They come from Scotland. I think that's cool. And they're a little bit on the pricey side. Lifetime guarantee with regular, normal handling, you know. So how much is this R.L. Allen Bible worth? Do you know how that's determined? That's determined by what people are willing to pay for it. An R.L. Allen right now on the market in America because of Brexit goes for about $180 if you get the 53 long prime. And they can get 180 because people like me are willing to pay that. How much are you worth? I want to tell you something, and you, you, you need to hear this pitiful preacher here tonight. I struggled with this for a long, long time in my life. How much are you worth? What did God pay for you? The death of his son, man. You can't prove to him that you're worth anything by what you do for him. You can't even make yourself feel better because here's what happened. It's an endless treadmill. I've been there. I know it. It's an endless, vicious cycle. I just didn't do enough. I just fell short. You can't live your life that way, my friends. Because God said for once and for all how much each human being was worth when he became a man and died on a cross so that you could be with him for eternity. That's, that's something. It doesn't matter if you build a Bible school or if you build a camp. We're, we're work, now, I'm not telling you don't do those things. We are working right now feverishly to, to put funds together every month to help build a camp in Virginia. Because we know that people's lives are going to be impacted uh, when, you, when they go there. I know people who are working feverishly every month and making sacrifices to, to feed hungry people, to clothe the naked, to put Bibles into prisons, and all of these things. But none of that, none of that determines your worth and value to God Almighty. And I'll tell you something else. There are thousands and thousands of people who are doing all those things. But when they get to heaven, they're going to lose rewards because they don't treat people right on the way. God is far more interested with developing your character than He is your calling. God is far more interested in conforming you to the image of Christ. That is His plan for your life. That is your expected end as a Christian. And here's the, the clincher where I'm going to tie those two translations together. It is your future and your hope. It is your future and your hope. What? Being conformed into His image. Because if you are not... Well, you know, it's like this. Angie told me I, I had to quit singing out loud in church the other, the other day because I sounded just too much like Elvis. And I looked too much like Burt Reynolds, so she told me to sit down. That's a joke, right? You can't. We, we say that we understand we're not doing what we do to earn anything, but we live like we are. We live like we are trying to earn something. 
are you trying to earn someone's ear? Are you trying to earn a position? Are you trying to earn a place? Whatever it is, you need to let go of it. Because until God gets you to the place where your dependence is totally on Him, you're never going to get a place. You're never going to get an ear. And so what's going to happen is you're going to keep running that same treadmill. And every time somebody doesn't come through for you, you're going to blast them. And you're going to be crushed. And you're going to be disappointed. And you're going to struggle and battle with that flesh the rest of your life. You're going to go to heaven. But you're not going to have a whole lot of fun and joy and good times getting there. And when God created this world, He created it that we would enjoy the journey through life. And I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that God wants us to enjoy the journey through life. It used to really bother me. I'll just open up my heart and be honest with you for a minute. For years, you know, I knew God had given me a plan. And I knew He had given me the capacity to do what we are doing today. What I didn't realize was what I'm telling you here tonight. I didn't realize that the Holy Spirit was praying for me to take another trip around the mountain and to take another course through boot camp. And I lived an awful long time just miserable because almost everybody that I tried to work with didn't want to work with me. There were many years when... And then, and then we had one that decided to work with us one time and... We tried to do a, an event, and it was a flop. And I mean, uh, like 100 people showed up for a person that should have brought in three, 4,000, really. And I would constantly beat myself up. And when you beat yourself up, and when you have a slanted view of grace, and you think you understand grace, but you really don't understand grace because you're not extending grace to anybody else. You're just wanting it for you. That was me. <clears throat> when you beat yourself up, it isn't long before you lash out at others. And it's not about the right and the wrong of it. In a perfect world, a lot of things would be different. We don't live in a perfect world. And we're given this situation that we have to deal with in a Christ-like spirit. And that takes a thousand deaths, my friend. And before you think, so you do that now, right? Well, sometimes I do. Sometimes the old me still is there. The only thing I got a little smarter about the way the devil works, usually I catch it now, and I go pray about it. Here's the thing. Let me, let me tell you the best thing I can tell you as it relates to this. Because I spent the better part of a decade railing, bemoaning. The scripture would call it murmuring and complaining. What happened every time the children of Israel murmured and complained? Whoop, one more trip around that mountain. Let me tell you the best thing I can, can tell you about this. And I'll get ready to close. Best thing you can do is to become a person who seeks his presence, who spends time on your face before him and in his word. Again, you're not earning anything, but you're helping yourself. Because the Lord said, Draw nigh to me, and I will draw nigh to you. And let him fight your battles. Let him go before you and shine the light of heaven on your path. Let him open doors that he wants open. And let him shut doors that you couldn't open if you, if you just got 
so angry you blew a fuse, you still couldn't open a door that God shut. And what you have to understand is that for every door that He purposely shuts on you, it's going to happen because He loves us. You think, boy, that's strange. Well, not really. Not really. You, 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 you have to realize the human heart is so corrupt because of the fall that if we were given power, if we were given too much power and we're not ready for it, we would not only destroy ourselves, but tragically we would destroy many in the body of Christ along with ourselves. And so God is patient. And He doesn't get in a hurry. God's not a part of the rat race. He's into more casual pursuits like abiding and dwelling God Almighty. He's not in the rat race. He's not in the earthquake or the tornado. He's in the still small voice. And my friends, as we face the darkness that's just now descending on us, I wish I could stand here and tell you that it's going to get better. We've got a, we've got a president in the White House now who him and his staff pray and do Bible studies together. Isn't that awesome? You know what? It's not going to change the world. It might buy us a little time. I hope it does. But a darkness is descending upon this planet very, very rapidly. And I believe with all my heart that this thing is just about over. And I believe that before it gets over, the world is going to be plunged into a time of darkness but yet, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So friends, be a light in the darkness. Don't be part of the darkness. And when they curse you, do not return cursing to them. And when they blaspheme your God, you stand up and you say, God loves you and Jesus died for you. Don't be a part of the problem. Be a part of the solution. And the future and the hope that you and I have is to simply know that we're going to be like Jesus. And when we get to the end of our road and we have allowed the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You might not have had the biggest ministry. You might not have had the biggest church in town. You might not have thousands of people flooding your radio program. You might not have people tuning into your telecast as much as some others. But well done, good and faithful servant, because you let my spirit make of you what I designed you to be from the very beginning before the foundation of the world. You heard my voice and you yielded to me. That's what he's after. That is God's plan for your life, for my life, for every believer. And all along the way, there's going to be doors that he's going to open and he's going to nudge you and say, walk through that one, buddy. He's going to place things in your hand. I'm, I'll tell you right now, the last three things that that God put in our hand as a ministry to do, I don't know to this day how it happened. I mean, I spent 20 years fighting for every inch of ground. I spent 20 years just frustrated, fighting for everything. And these last three things, God just did it. I don't know how it happened. And I think we're getting into a time that the Scripture talks about like this. It says that even as they're casting seed into ground, the ground, 
the harvester is going to come along and harvest it. That's the time where it's an accelerated time. And so I want to encourage you today because I know that every one of you has things that are important to you in this life. Every one of you has things that have consumed your life and that's, that's the way it is. That's what it should be. I mean, preaching consumes my life. That's not a bad thing. I can let it become a bad thing if I don't have time for my wife and I don't have time for my family and I, I don't have time for people, then what am I preaching for? And don't buy into this lie of the church. And it's a lie that crept in because we left the cross and we left the Christ focus of the church. And so people started being told that you've got to do this great big thing or you're not very important. That's a lie. And what happened is we forgot to do the little things because we're looking for the great big thing. And so people around us, you know, people that, that love you and care about you, but you don't have time to pick up a phone and call them. You don't have time to run to the grocery store for them. You don't have time to do these things that God wants you to do for people. And don't buy into the lie that you can love God and not love people. You know, I've thought about that for the last several years because I felt that way one time. I said to myself, you know, I, I love the ministry. It's the people I can't stand. And I want to tell you something. That is not God. I can't, I can't remember the scripture address, but it tells you in the Word of God, it says, how can you love God whom you've never seen if you can't love your brother who you can see? And so we've just got to know and understand in the time that we're living in that people are going to become more and more and more important to the heart of the Father as this harvest of the earth is being brought forth in this hour. And so that changes my perception of what ministry is. You know, Gary Wilkerson told the story of he was in Jordan with Pastor Carter he was on his way to, to preach at a service. And he, his mind was really on the service and on the message he was going to give and all of this. And he said, I got to the church and I, just before I got up to preach, I realized that I'm here preaching this message to people who have heard it a thousand times and I walked by a hundred people who had never heard of Jesus. And he said, that began to change me. Please hear me like an adult. I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong to go to church and preach a sermon. I do it all the time. That's not the point. The point is that what matters to God is people. And when we get a little further into this, as we go through the summer, because this is on my heart, this is... This is a weight on my heart. As we go through this, through this summer, I hope that some of you, oh God, I hope that some of us will begin to understand Jesus doesn't ask me to do what I cannot do. If the Lord were to come down here today and say, Len Paxton, go change America. How in the world am I going to do that? But you know what he does do? He says, hey, Len. Hey, Billy Bob. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Mary. Hey, Pam. Hey, Carter. Hey, Gary. You get it? We work where we are with what we have. And, and, do you want more? Do you want some more? Do you want to do more? Do you want to reach further? Then be content with such things as ye have. And in that contentment, you preserve your 
soul. See, the Word of God knew what it was talking about. What is your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions. You preserve your stability by learning to be content in whatever state you are in. And I'm not talking about Virginia or Maryland or Massachusetts. I'm talking about the state, the condition, the circumstance of your life. You preserve your emotional stability. And if this generation needs anything, it needs stable people. Stable people that can point the way to the cross of Calvary and say, there's your hope, there's your future, and let God do His work in people's hearts and lives. I, I'm not responsible for doing the work. I'm responsible for letting the Holy Spirit do His work in me. And so I'm going to close with that tonight. We have other, so much, so much, that every day I see this stuff in the Scripture, and the first thing it does is it knocks me upside the head. And I hear the voices, just like many of you do, you failed. You're a failure. You blew it, preacher. You stand up there and you preach to thousands of people, but you blow it. Yeah, that's right. But you know what I do? I go to my knees. And I say, God save a wretch like me. And you know what? He did. And he does. And he will. So I want to challenge you as I leave this message and go into just a few more songs for tonight. I just want to challenge you to make yourself some connections that you will be faithful to. If there's nothing going on in your town for the Lord, and if it's dead, dried up religion, and that's all it is for real, and I mean there's nothing good anywhere around, then connect with people like Thomas Road and like Times Square and World Challenge and and Turning Point, and others. But begin to discipline, let the, let the Lord discipline your life to make connections within the body of Christ that aren't large, maybe maybe they are, maybe they're not, but the, the size isn't the issue. The issue is Jesus works. I mean, how can a little finger act independently out here of my, of the entire arm. And this is what we're seeing Christ do as he's bringing in, listen, I've seen revival in Baptist churches. I've seen revival in Presbyterian churches. Like I told you, we're going to be in one in just a few days. It happens to be the church that my fifth great grandfather founded in Rockbridge County, Virginia. We're seeing we're seeing revival break out in these weird, unexpected places. Why? Because God is a body. And the the finger isn't going to work out here and the arm be left back here. It doesn't work that way. And so we have to we have to be persistent in the pursuit of these connections. And even when you know the reason that we don't like to do it is because we feel it makes us look inferior if people don't want to give us the time of day. What would I encourage you to do? What did I do? Here it is. I want you to write this down. Because this, this is the key to this message. This is what I'm about to tell you right now. You want to write this in your Bible. Because this will put you over and I don't back up from saying it. Here it is. You ready? Ask God to help you. Pretty simple, huh? Ask God to help you. Lord, how do I live right? Ask God to help you. Lord, how do I how do I grow? Ask God to help you. And cut people some slack. Show people mercy. Show people. I guarantee you what. If, if you go out. And you just show one person mercy. 
and then another, and then another. Yeah, maybe you're not reaching your whole city, but you're doing ministry. You follow me? Ministry is people. And if we don't lose sight of that, we may not, you know, I don't know how long. We, we've got a lot of partners today. And I thank God for that. But it wasn't always like that. Friend. And then there were other times when the only one that gave to my ministry was me. And I know that that causes a person to have all kinds of thoughts. But those thoughts are not from God. I know what they are. Uh, nobody needs me. I'm not worth anything. I, I'm doing something wrong. Now, I was doing some things wrong. I was responding in the wrong way. And I was... <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. <coughs> I, I was... Uh, I was not Some of those situations, you know? But it isn't my responsibility to worry about what you do for me. It's my responsibility to stand in faith on the Word of God and let God bring to pass what God once brought to pass in my life. And I pray, I pray, oh God, send, send in laborers. I pray, God, send us the people that will help us harvest. You pray, you stay faithful to pray, you ask God, you stay, and you love people. And if you'll keep loving people, Listen, God will reward you. And if that reward doesn't come in this life, it will come in the next. And you will cross that finish line, and you will hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of your Lord, irrespective of what anybody else does. And you can't hold against people what they fail to do. That's just not my job. It's not my job to worry about it. You know, you have to love people. Just love people. Even the people that don't love you back. And when you cross the line at the end of this thing, and anything could happen... I wish we had another two hours to just play some of this music, because it ministers it, 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 in times like this. At any moment, life could come to an end for any one of us. And nothing's going to matter but what Jesus says to us when we enter into his presence. That's all that's going to matter. So I want to encourage you tonight. You are valuable. You're so valuable that God paid the price of his son for you. And I want to encourage you to not think with the secular mentality that's entered into the church. Now I want you to understand that yes, dream big dreams. I believe in that. Dream big dreams. Dream as big as you can, can dream. But don't forget about people along the way. And God is a champion at taking a very little thing. Like sitting with a dying mother and reading a few verses out of the Bible. A very small thing in the grand scheme of our world, he takes that and turns it into a huge monument to his glory. Don't forget about that. If you're a parent, raise that child in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. If you're the parent of an infant and you're wiping that baby's behind, do it to the glory of God. You don't know. That could be Billy Graham, the second. You don't know. If, if, if you're trapped in a situation where maybe your spouse is, is ill and you have to care for them, don't look at that as a, an insignificant thing that's robbing you of life. Turn that around on the devil. So that's what the devil would want you to think. 
turn that around on the devil. And that God takes that small thing that nobody sees, and he turns it into something so huge that angels stop what they're doing and pay attention because you're lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. I've got to quit or I'll preach all night. And I want to encourage you. This is almost over. Don't quit. Don't give up. Do whatever God puts in your hand to do. But always remember this. You are a Christian for what you become rather than what you do. Let's shout a while about the blood of Jesus. Thank you.